Oh, my God. 
five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Wednesday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da
Thank <laughs> you. 
רק תודה, כי אין לי בלעדיך, בכל יום אליך אין עוד מלבדך. אלוקיי, בך תמיד תמיד לפתוח, כי לך הכוח, אותך לא אעזוב
inside through the heart of a Jew. Open up its many doors, and the soul that you'll see there inside is a reflection of yours. For each soul is a part of one whole that joins us to each other. We are all. One another, and we have always been one. We are one since way back in time, unified at our start. We began as a nation to live and believe with one. You 
Thank <laughs> you. 
J.M. in the A.M. Well, <laughs> I really didn't intend when we started that set to uh, do that much, uh, <laughs> those many, eight, that many Aton Cat selections, but I don't know. I just kept uh, getting uh, more and more into the Live in Jerusalem volume number three here on a Wednesday morning broadcast. So it's Sama Kikarov and, of course, the Hoshia Samecha that he uh, spoke to us about when he was in studio here at JMDM. Uh, all from Live in Jerusalem, volume number three. The Stamen family with Vaharenu and Keladon. You heard Michal Przanski's Forever One. That's a, an amazing medley. Aral Samet had Modaani. Schlockrock, the brand new Nachshon, jumped in first. Uh, Gil Israelov and company with Rock Toda. Modaani done by the Solomon Brothers. The Nigun done by the Solomon Brothers. Eliyahu Chait with Nigun Hamidbar. And Regesh with Modani. We started a drop late because of a technical problem, which means I've got to give appropriate thanks to both ZK and, of course, Avrami uh, for being uh, the quote-unquote Johnny's on the spot. 
in terms of getting our backup system up and running. And now we're able to be live in studio and speaking to you around the world here at JM in the AM. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, I'm NachumSiegel.com and the NachumSiegel Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Golly, it's on the background. Our news from Israel coming up. Rabbi uh, Joel Grossman is going to be in our studio. Wrote a brand new book about tefillah geared to the young people out there. Yeah, a book about prayer right up my alley. And we'll speak with him in the 7 o'clock hour. Plus, Lior Hode, the legend himself, is going to be stopping by in the 8 o'clock hour this morning here at JM and the AM. Golly, it's all Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast next. Boker Toe from JM and the AM. ולייצר מירושלים השעה 2, שלום רב, באולפן רני אבנאי עם מה שקורה עכשיו. דרמה בכנסת. לפני זמן קצר החלה ההצבעה על מינוי נציגי הכנסת לוועדה למינוי שופטים. ראש הממשלה נתניהו הנחה את חברי הקואליציה להצביע נגד המועמדים ולהוביל לדחיית הבחירות בחודש. מדווח כתב התחום הפוליטי שחר גליק. חברי הכנסת ניגשים כעת בזה אחר זה להצביע בשעתיים הקרובות מאחורי הפרגוד, אחרי שנתניהו דאג שכל החברים יסירו את מועמדותם למעט טלי גוטליב וקרין אלהרר, ההצבעה תהיה בעד או נגד שתיהן. בקואליציה הנחו את כולם להצביע נגד ובכך לדחות בחודש את ההצבעה. עם זאת, גוטליב מנסה לארגן מרד במפלגה, ואם ארבעה חברי כנסת יצביעו בבחירות החשאיות בעד השתיים, יחד עם האופוזיציה, הן תהיינה הנציגות בוועדה לבחירת שופטים, למרות התנגדותו של ראש הממשלה. וחברי הכנסת לפיד וגנץ מאיימים כי דחיית הבחירות תוביל להפסקת השיחות בבית הנשיא. מנגד ראשי הקואליציה קוראים להמשך השיחות. מדווח כתבנו הפוליטי יובל שגב. נתניהו ושאר ראשי הקואליציה פרסמו הודעה שמנסה להטיל את כל האחריות לדרמה אליה נקלענו על חברת הכנסת טלי גוטליב. בהודעה נטען כי הקואליציה יצאה לתרגיל הפרלמנטרי של דחיית הבחירות לוועדה בשל ההתעקשות של גוטליב שלא להסיר את מועמדותה, דבר שהיה מביא להפרת ההסכם הקואליציוני מול מפלגת עוצמה יהודית שלה הובטח נציג בוועדה במקור. בכך נתניהו מנסה למנוע את פיצוץ השיחות בבית הנשיא ואת הטלת האשמה עליו. ספק רבים באופוזיציה יקבלו זאת. ליברמן תקף את התנהלות המחנה הממלכתי בבית הנשיא ואמר לנורית קנטי, גנץ נופל פעם נוספת בפח של נתניהו. גנץ פעם אחת כבר התחלק על הבננה, שהולך פעם שנייה נופל עוד פעם לאותו פח. זה הכל תרגיל מלוכלך מבית היוצר של נתניהו. איך אתה נופל פעם שנייה? לא הייתה פה שום הידברות, שום כנות, אלא תרגיל מלכתחילה. חברת הכנסת פרקש הכהן מהמחנה הממלכתי אמרה בגלי צה"ל, אם ההצבעה תידחה, לא נהיה בחדר. מנגד חבר הכנסת צבי סוכות מהציונות הדתית אומר באופוזיציה חיפשו סיבה לפוצץ את השיחות. הסיפור הגדול כאן הוא באמת לא העניין של האם הצלחנו להעביר היום שני נציגים בקואליציה או לא, אלא זה שבאופוזיציה רוצים לפוצץ את השיחות בבית הנשיא, אני חושב שזה הסיפור האמיתי. מה הקשר בין זה לפיצוץ השיחות בבית הנשיא? מה זה משנה? עוד חודש אחד ייקח עד שיבחרו את חברי הוועדה לבחירת שופטים. So... אם אכן היום לא יבחרו בכנסת את נציגי הכנסת לוועדה לבחירת שופטים של מדינת ישראל, היום התחיל שעון חול על חייה של הממשלה הזאת. ברגע שיהיו טריקים ושטיקים, לא נהיה בחדר. זה מה שקורה. כתבתנו בתל אביב, אנה פינס מוסרת שמובילי המחאה נגד התוכנית המשפטית קוראים לציבור, אם לא תמונה היום נציגת אופוזיציה, נפגין בקפלן בשמונה בערב. ובמקביל להתרחשויות הפוליטיות, שער הדולר, שערים של הדולר והאירו מזנקים והבורסה עוברת לירידות. עם הפרטים כתבנו לענייני כלכלה, ישראל פישר. הדולר מזנק לעומת השקל ביותר מ-2% ונסחר תמורת 3 שקלים ו-63 אגורות. האירו קופץ ב-2% ועשירית ונסחר תמורת 3 שקלים ו-92 אגורות. זהו שינוי מגמה במסחר במטבע החוץ, לאחר שבימים האחרונים המטבעות הזרים נחלשו בחדות. 
כשנראה היה שהאופוזיציה והקואליציה מגיעות להסכמות בנושא המשפטי. בבורסה בתל אביב ירידות שערים אחרי שבבוקר נרשמו עליות. מזג האוויר כאן רגוע. ירידה קלה בטמפרטורות. אלה החדשות שעורך רועי ולד.
Micha Gammerman off Shire Pinchas, volume number two with S.R. Ani. Shimmy Miller opened up the hour after our news with the Ahafta here at JM in the AM. Wednesday morning broadcast. Rabbi Joel Grossman's going to join us coming up after Rabbi Goldwasser at the bottom of the hour. He's got a brand new book about one of my favorite topics, as you know. Those of you who are regular listeners of this show for any length of time know that anything uh, that can be introduced to this audience or to the Jewish world uh, that helps people improve, especially young people, improve on their tefillah, improve on their prayer. Uh, you know, I'm a big advocate, and Rabbi Grossman, who I know for years, and um, there's no doubt in my mind, is a great expert on this topic, has a brand new book, which I'm already highly recommending before the interview even begins. We'll have an opportunity to speak with him passionately about this topic at the bottom of the hour right here at JM in the AM. From our TNX studio today on a Wednesday morning broadcast, and I thank all of you for tuning in. Hour number three this morning, uh, Yeshiva University basketball legend Lior Hode is among the honorees, or I should say the inductees tomorrow night at the Yeshiva University Athletic Hall of Fame event that's happening in Englewood, New Jersey. I have the honor of presiding over the uh, basic part of the program uh, tomorrow evening, and he'll join us live in studio this morning here at JM and AM. Uh, it is um, a topic, as many of you know, that has always been at the forefront here on this program, the topic meaning um, not just uh, being a great athlete, but representing our people properly in no matter uh, what arena, court, or field one might be in or on. So we'll discuss all of that, every aspect of all of this, uh, with Lior Hode coming up at hour number three this morning here at JMNAM. Full schedule today, including JM Rewind at 9 a.m. Also, uh, Yussi Zweig with a Wednesday Z Report live lunch coming up at 11 a.m. Eastern time. Lots of brand new music and more all happening here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Avremo, Avram Freed, he's next. You're listening to JM in the AM.
J.M. in the A.M. Shevach done by Ellie Mark is brand new on here on a Wednesday morning broadcast. 14th day of June. Happy birthday, Mark Zomik. Our very own Mark Zomik celebrating a birthday today. How do you like that? Happy birthday, Mark, from all of us here at J.M. in the A.M. Um, also, the uh, 25th day in the month of Sivan. We will bench Rosh Chodesh's coming Shabbos. Really getting to the bulk of the summer months. And um, as you know, it's June, which means it is a uh, perfect time of year to celebrate dads and grads. Did you know that Father's Day in the United States is this coming Sunday? And 
The month of June is filled, and I mean filled. Ask anybody who's who knows any elementary or high school kids. Filled with graduations. So we always recommend celebrate the dads and grads with some delicious grilling from our friends at A&H. Abel's and Hyman has the most amazing hot dogs and knockwurst and sausage that you toss on the grill, and that'll be the centerpiece of an amazing and incredible celebration either for dad or for the grad. All you got to do is uh, go to the, your, your local supermarket, kosher store, etc., pick up some A&H and enjoy. You want to do it via the Internet? No problem. Go to kosherdogs.net. Again, kosherdogs.net. Use promo code radio. Save 10% on everything on the site. Try A&H today. You'll be glad you did. Before the Ali Marcus selection, Isaac and Rubenstein out of Israel with Better For You. Avremo had Hashem Yilachem. And you're listening to JM and the Amber. Right? Joel Grossman's going to join us. The brand new book is all about tefillah, prayer, and Shmona Estray. And we will discuss all of it coming up here at JM in the AM. Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, Zechonishmas Harav Zevin Bersavalevi, and Zechonishmas Esther Basar Bersavalevi. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. We find a fascinating pasuk in Amos, Ki hine yotzer harim, for Hashem has formed the mountains, uvore ruach, and has also created the winds, umagid l'adam masecho. He recounts to a person what were his deeds. The question has been asked, what is the kesher, the connection, between the beginning of the pasuk and the end of the pasuk? The Chida says in the name of Rabbi Yaakov Chagiz, Why did Hashem create the world with harem mugvoos, with mountains and hills? People have to climb the hills. They have to try to ascend the mountains. Hashem could have just created level ground that everybody could walk on without effort. He answers that there are strong winds that can uproot the trees and cause great destruction. These tall mountains stand and guard us from the stormy winds that could be destructive. So one could ask, wouldn't it be better if there were no winds? Then there wouldn't be a need for the harim, for the mountains, and everyone could be on level ground without having to climb the hills and the mountains. The answer is something that a person should remember every day of their life. The ruach is created from the hevel peed, from the mouth, from the breath of a person, as it says, The Targum Onklus translates it, that Adam, that an individual, when they speak, they show that there is a difference between a human and the animal life. That's what happens. It is a koach It is the power of speech. That is the spirit that is created when a person speaks. The perush is that all of the ruchos ba'olam, all of the different winds of the world are created through man's speech. And that's why Hashem had to give a koach gadol to the ruach so that man could understand that through speech, a person can build binyanim or chas v'shalom destroy an entire country. That's the meaning of Yotzah Harim Uvare Ruach. Instead of creating level ground, Umagid Adam Masecho, to let a person know the great power that we all have to use our Dibor, our power of speech, in the correct way. We have the choice, Chas to destroy 
or to build olamos, to build worlds. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser bringing you Morning Chizuk. Have a nice day. J.M. and the A.M. on a Wednesday morning broadcast are by Joel Grossman, who I've known forever, um, both from our uh, um, commonality with uh, TABC here in Teaneck. Uh, during the era that Rabbi Grossman was a spectacular Rebbe there. Plus, Rabbi Grossman, for those of you who are old Catskills trivia experts, Rabbi Grossman used to be an amazing, reliable guest speaker up at the Homoac Hotel, and I'm sure other places as well, uh, during a time that we spent a lot of time there. He started his Chinuch journey at MTA, went to become the beloved Rebbe at TABC that I just described for 29 years. Wow longer than the era we had at TABC. There he became known as the rabbi who could teach any student and explain the most complicated concept in the simplest manner. Today, he divides his time between Miami Beach and Muncie, New York, and continues to give shiurim and to learn with individuals. And because of his presence in Muncie and our presence here in Teaneck, New Jersey, we are able to have a face-to-face conversation and welcome Rabbi Joel Grossman. A pleasure to welcome you to JM in the AM. Thank you very much. The book is called More Tzfila, Davening Shmona Esrei with Meaning. Now, Rabbi Grossman, I don't know if you know this about me, uh, but I am, my audience certainly does. I am somebody who takes prayer very seriously and tries in every which way to inspire people through different conversations and, and uh, analyses like this of your book uh, to you know do whatever we can to, uh, to help people experience prayer in a much more fulfilling manner. And I would assume that that's the reason you wrote the book, because with all the books out there, and there are a lot of them in the history of the Jewish people about prayer, it seems there's never enough. There's always something more we could do to try to inspire people. A hundred percent. That's exactly why why I I wrote the Sefer. Uh, I retired from TABC five years ago, and the rabbi from my shul in Muncie, Rabbi Schlesinger, came to me after I retired, and he said, I want you to write a Sefer in English to the English-speaking public in order to to show them exactly what tefillah is all about. Because he said that I watch you during davening and that you are actually talking to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and that's what I want you to convey to the English-speaking public. And Baruch Hashem, it took me four years to write the Sefer, and I think uh, uh, so far the reviews that I've gotten have have, uh, have hit a home run. Um, why does your tefillah work so well? Why? What are you doing that makes a rabbi like the one you just described say that you are actually speaking directly to God? Well, I really base it on the, the Gemara in Mesechus Tainus on the Beis Aleph, a few lines from the bottom, where the Gemara says, Ezehu avodah shohi belev. What type of service do we have to God that's really from our heart? Every other mitzvah that we do, we do with another part of our body. We eat matzah. We pick up We pick up the, the, the lula. We, we bind the tefillin. But what do we do only with our heart? And the Gemara says, zutfila, this refers to prayer. And each and, t- each and every time when I daven, I really feel it in my heart uh, that I'm, I'm really conveying my message to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, asking Hashem for things, but of course praising Hashem for all of the greatness that he gives for me and for my family. So before we talk about um, specifically inspiring the youth, and again, with your experience in high school, it's you, know, you, you bring an area of expertise to that topic. In general, what would you say to somebody who wants to connect? Need it be a longer 
longer Shimona Esrei need it be specific concentration on every word as you go forward through every bracha of Shimona Esrei? What's the secret to get to the point that you just described? Well, I want to really answer that with a, with a, a beautiful story that ju- just happened. I came back from Miami about a little bit over a month ago, and I was walking on Collins Avenue, and believe it or not, this young girl, probably like in her early 20s, she stopped me and she said, are you the rabbi that wrote the book? And I looked, I looked at her and I said, yes. But I said, how do you know, how do you know me? So she said to me that uh, your picture is on the front cover of, of, <laughs> of the, right. your, your picture is on the front cover of the book. <laughs> so she said to me, I just want you to know that I owe, owe you such a, a debt of gratitude because you changed my life. So I said, I don't think I ever met you. So she tells me that she lives in San Francisco and that she's not religious and that she was uh, transferred her job to Miami Beach, and she was renting in this and this building. She pointed to the building, and she said, said to me that every morning before going to work, she would meditate for a, cu- a couple of minutes. But she said everyone in the building was talking about your book. So I went on to Amazon, and I bought it, and she said, I just want you to know that your book changed my life. She said, I have things that are underlined, things that are highlighted. I have notes in, in the margin. And she said, Rabbi, because of you, because of the way that you have inspired me through the book, I want you to know that I pray the Shemona Esrei every single morning because of the fact that you have the English translation in, 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 in your book. So that's what exactly what I'm trying to do. I literally started crying, and I said, wow, all those four years of, wor- of, of, of work really were only, only for you, and hopefully it'll go out now to many, many more people. Is, is this, but, I mean, if I would ask her, is, is the secret the English translation? Is the secret that now she stumbled upon something that actually explains to her what she's saying? Is that the key, or is it something else? Well, I think it's a, li- a little bit different, and that is that uh, if you ask your sons um, about my teaching style when they remember me from when they were back in high school is that every time that I, I teach a subject, I always try to bring a story in order to be able to hammer home the point to make the thing, whatever the topic is, to make it that much more meaningful. And that's what I have throughout what, throughout the entire Safer. Anytime that I have a story, I have it in a, in a box, but it'll, it'll deal with a certain topic. Let's say, let's say for example, Rifa'enu asking Hashem to heal us, and then there'll be some type of a story that will really hammer home the bracha to, to make make it um, so important to you personally. It's also interesting that, uh, you know, there are other, as you know, there are other significant parts of tzfila. Right. I mean, I can make a case for Yehichavod and for Ashrei and many others. 100%. In fact, Ashrei is one of my, I mean, I, I, every time I do a public presentation about prayer, Ashrei is the centerpiece of that entire discussion. Very little uh, about Shemona Esrei. But your book is literally about these 19 brachos, these 19 blessings that officially are the centerpiece of our tefillah, Shacharis, Mincha, and Mariv. Correct. Uh, and I guess, you know, your, I, I guess your method makes more sense than mine because if you're going to emphasize one part, it may as well be the, the core of every single time we get up to Davin. Right. I mean, the reason is because of the fact that the mission in Mesechus Brachos, whenever it talks about tefillah, it always refers to Shemona Esrei. So that's why I decided to write on Shimon Esrei. Uh, Rabbi Joel Grossman is here. The book is called Moret Fila, Davening Shimon Esrei with Meaning. And I'm assuming, as you indicated earlier, Amazon, just search your name, basically, and it'll come up. Yes. That's, 
Well, yeah, we could use this link, but boy, oh boy, I don't know if people, <laughs> this is a pretty long link to actually mention on the air, but we'll make sure we'll try to include it in the, uh, in the story online uh, about this uh, conversation. So uh, just back to this young woman for a moment. Let's assume English translation has something to do with it. The stories that you just mentioned likely touched her in a way uh, that, you know, it brought her back to this whole Shimon Esri every single day, as she indicated. But I would have to assume that but for both young and old, there's it's different factors. It's different methods. It's different things that will make someone uh, increase their concentration and their love for standing Shmona Estrey, right? I mean, it's, it's for her, it was that most likely, right? She really right. didn't give you a clear answer, but but we are assuming it was that. And for other people, it's other things, right? Right, 100%. Um, I live in Muncie, which uh, has changed now to be a very, very Hasidic type of neighborhood. Right. And my my neighbor happens to happens to be a, a Hasidic man. And two Shabbosos ago, he came over to me and he said that I owe you a debt of gratitude. He said, I just want you to know, I thought that I understood Shimon Esrei until I started learning your, your, your safer and he said I realized I don't know I don't understand I didn't understand anything thank thank you so much because of the fact that I tried to bring out both from the Gemara from the Shulchan Aruch, from uh, from the major major commentary exactly what are we saying and and what the deeper meaning is behind, behind uh, each and every word of Shimon Esrei yeah and and normally uh, at, <laughs> at a stage that we're now at in this conversation conversation i might ask you for an example but there are a million of a meaning that even for those of us who technically know the words that we're saying right who technically know what's in who technically know what's in refa'enu and baruch aleinu when it comes to really understanding what we're saying even those of us who are proficient in the hebrew language you know fall short in terms of you know trying to grasp the entire thing right a hundred a hundred percent and i'll be honest when i when i was preparing um each and and every one of the brachas i learned a lot a lot right, of things that i didn't know and i was a Rebbe for my, my my whole adult life. Right. Hashivenu, right? The Brach of Hashivenu. Anybody who knows Hebrew can can probably, at the minimum, loosely translate it. But I don't know if anybody can really give a good synopsis of what that paragraph's trying to you know tell us to say to God, right? Right, correct. And what I did is I went through the Gemara in Mesachas Megillah and Daf Zion, where the Gemara explains the order. Why does this Bracha follow that Bracha? Why does that Bracha follow that Bracha? Etc. Etc. In order to show again the kind continuity of, of, of uh, one bracha leading into the other, right. what Shimon Esri is all about and what the Anshay Knesset Agadola were trying to convey to us. Why was it important for you to to divide this book the way we've always divided Shimon Esri? In other words, anybody who's, you know, a responsible <laughs> a responsible member of the Yeshiva League, so to speak, uh-huh. <laughs> grew up knowing that the beginning parts of Shimon Esri is praise of God. The middle are these uh, these requests that Bakashas, we have, Rebekah right. requests that we have of the one above, uh-huh. and then we end with with again praise and gratitude. Right, the better word is gratitude when we get toward the end of Shemona Esrei. It, it, why did you feel you had to divide it in that way and follow that formula? That's the, that's the way Shemona Esrei is is written. Right, understood. But it, does it help 
one does it help one appreciate Shimon Esri and Davin better if they look at it as those three categories? I think so because of the fact that, for, for example, that you you know that the why we're doing the first three brachos. It's not it's not just the request. First, we we, we put Hashem in in his prop, proper type of a place, right? The right and perspective, then, right? And then after that, then then I I could ask for my my personal needs. But it's important to always note that the personal needs are not written Belashen Yachid. It's not in the individual, but everything is done in the plural. It's not Rifaini, right. feel me, heal me. It's Rifaini, right. to heal us. Because the whole idea of davening is to worry not only about ourselves. And I bring out there, there uh, in, in the Sefer how important it is to pray for yourself, right? The most important type of prayer, yes, it's very important to go to a tzaddik, to go to a Rosh Yeshiva in, in order to get this or that type of a blessing, but the most important thing is to do it with your own heart by, by, by yourself to pray to Hashem. Right. I mean, there are some there are some Torah giants who, when you when one is in need of something, right. would say, open up a sitter and start praying, or right. open up a Tehillim and start you know, saying Tehillim. Uh, speaking of which, because there are um, uh, there are some people that, uh, that that I'm thinking of as I say that uh, who've used that approach. Uh, you were telling me off the air about an encounter you had years ago with her Moshe Feinstein. What was that all about? Oh, wow. Thank you very much for bringing it up. And that is, uh, back in 1980, a long, long t- time ago, um, <laughs> Rabbi Tenler, Rabbi Moshe Tenler from Muncie, his father of Yitzchak Isaac Tenler, p- passed away. And Rabbi Yitzchak Isaac Tenler used to learn with Rabbi Tenler's young son at the time, Eli Dunn Tenler, who was uh, only 12 years old at the, at, at the time. And after Rabbi Yitzchak Isaac Tenler passed away, Rabbi Moshe Tenler asked me if I would learn with Eli Dunn because of the fact that he was just too busy with everything that he did at the Community Synagogue of Muncie and, right. and at Yeshiva University and medical ethics, etc. And I said, fine. So I went to, I uh, started, I came to Rabbi Tendler's house, and Ellie Dunn said, said to me, uh, Joel, everyone in Muncie says that you're so smart. Well, if you're so smart, then I'd like you to teach me Mesechas Nidarim, which is very, very different style than any other Mesechta. For example, there's not, we don't use the Rasha, right. we use the Ran, and it's 90 blot. And he said, let's learn that at for, for, for my Bar Mitzvah. So I said, okay, fine. So I prepared, and, and we learned uh, almost every single night and on Shabbos for hours and hours and hours. And Baruch Hashem, we were able to finish all of Mesachas Nedarim that Eli Dunn made, made a him at his bar mitzvah. We even learned 10 blot of Mesachas Megillah because of the fact that we had some extra time. And Baruch Hashem, we got very close with Rav Moshe Feinstein's at Zal because he used to be at his daughter and, and son-in-law's house with his grandchildren, uh, etc., etc. Ellie was his grandchild, just uh, making it clear. Right. right. Anyway, so um, what happened was, is in 1981, during uh, Sukkot, I went to Rav Moshe Feinstein, who was there in the house, and I said, uh, Reb, Rebbe, I want to ask you for a bracha. So he said, fine, no problem. And he starts giving me a bracha. So I stopped him. I said, no, 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 I want it in writing. So he looked at me. He said, why do you want it in writing for? I said, I want to show people how, how close we were. So Rav Moshe Feinstein told me, go home and get me one of my svarim and bring it back, and I'll write, write a bracha. And he did. And I photocopied the, the, the bracha. I put it into simple Hebrew in case anyone could not read of Moshe's handwriting and then translated into English. The, and Eng- when, the English says, I 
hereby bless our very dear and respected friend, Mori Harav Yosef Grossman Shlita, who is immersed in the Torah and the pure fear of God. May Hashem Yisbarach have him succeed in all things, physical and spiritual, with great success. Your close friend, Moshe Feinstein, Isruchag Sukkot 57. Four, two. What's it like being called a close friend or a Moshe Feinstein? Just unbelievable, because I've seen a lot of chuvas that Rabbi Moshe writes, and he always writes Neum right. Moshe Signs Feinstein. It. Right, but to me, he he wrote Yedidio's, your, your, your close friend, Moshe Feinstein. And uh, Baruch Hashem, down in Miami, a lot of people bought the Sefer when they saw that, and they said, <laughs> if Rabbi Moshe calls you his close friend, I want to I have the Sefer. <laughs> and believe it or not, I was only 22 years old at the time, and back in 1981, when when when. when Moshe wrote, wrote that bracha to me. So you were proficient in Torah study at the age of 22, obviously, if you if you taught uh, a youngster in the Durham the way you did, to the satisfaction of the Tendlers and the Feinsteins, right? Yeah, thank you very much for bringing that up. I, I started saying a shir in 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 um, Rabbi Tendler's shul, the community synagogue of, of Muncie, on Wednesday night when I was uh, uh, 20 years old. On what topic? Uh, we started with Masechus Megillah. And we went through many, many, many mesectas. I gave this year for, for nine and a half years, uh, every every Wednesday night. Were you proficient in tefillah, in davening at that age as well, or that took a while? That took a while. That that definitely took a while. I, I always have been work, working on tefillah to understand that a Kaddish Baruch Hu is right in front of me and, and that I I'm, I do have this opportunity so you're, to talk so, with him. So you are uh, appreciative in all seriousness, when you when you encounter high school kids, and I know some of them personally, mm-hmm. who really daven well, you 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 have a great you must have a great admiration for them at that age that they're able to connect that way. A hundred percent, because of the fact that they they can do it much earlier than I was able to do it. Where did you go to high school? I went to high school in Muncie. It was a small school called Muncie Masifta High School, but it doesn't exist anymore. Well, somebody must have had a tremendous impact on you if at the age of twenty you're giving shiurim like that. Um, yeah, a hundred percent. Or was that post high school that that really developed? Uh, no, I think it. I think it was. It was in high school. I had. Um, I had a, a, a rebbe, and uh, back in ninth grade, and his name was Rabbi Mordechai Tapic. Um, I believe he was from Houston, Houston, Texas. I know he was. He was a shochet, and um, he used to always describe to us everything is about God. For example, he he would uh, tell us that. When I drove drove here from from Brooklyn to come to Muncie to get to give share today, he said my my uh, gas gauge was on E. So we would always say, "Well, Rabbi, you have to fill it up." He goes, "No, no, no. E is for Abishta." <laughs> so so he uh, every everything that he did always told us, "You got to believe in God. You got to believe in God." And 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 I think that Rabbi Tapic had had a tremendous uh, input on me uh, in, in order to influence me uh, to always think about God in everything I do. Rabbi Joel Grossman is here. Go to Amazon, search his name, or by Joel Grossman, and you will see Moret Fila, M-O-R-E-H, Moret Fila, Davening Shimon Estre with meaning. Uh, this could be the centerpiece of an amazing revolution for your own Tfila and certainly for your children. And finally, let's discuss that topic about, about the youngsters, because obviously your book, which, which I originally, when I heard about it, because of your um, you know in- incredible career, uh, in high school, I, I as a high school Rebbe, I assumed it was targeting specifically the young people out there. It's obviously for everybody, but let's speak about the young people for a moment. Not everybody is the young woman that you you know that you quoted and that you met who who you know really you know turns a switch on uh, in her own personal tefillah life because she's inspired by these stories, etc. What can we do for the average eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen year olds out there, both young women? 
and young men, especially those who are already bar and bat mitzvah, um, you know, what can we do to, to help them uh, get on this positive path of prayer? Okay, also excellent question. I think the most important thing that, that we can do as, as an adult is to be able to show an example to, to them. I want to just share a, a story with you. Many, many years ago, I used to do a lot, a lot of tutoring. And the only time that I was available to tutor this one, one youngster who was, who was just about 12 years old at the time was just on Shabbos afternoon, right, right after lunch. So his parents told me, okay, come over and, and, and you'll learn with him. And of course, the first day when I came, the kid was unbel- unbelievably against it. And he said, what are you talking about? I don't have to do it. I don't have school tomorrow, blah, blah, blah. I said, come on, let's just, let's just learn. And we learned. But it was really, really, really pulling teeth. And at the end, he said to me, you know what, Rabbi, I don't understand. Why do I have to do this for? My, my father never learned. So, right. So after, after we finished, when we came upstairs and the father, oh, how did he do? So I said, you know what, next week, instead of me learning with your son, I want to learn with you. And the father said, what are you talking about? You know how many hours I have to drive to work and drive back, how hard I work. I barely make it through the meal and then I go to sleep. So I said, no, 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 we have to set the example. And Baruch Hashem, the next week we learned. And, and then the following week, again, we learned with the father. I never learned with, with, with the, kid, the kid again. And then the parents told me that I don't know what, what happened, but the kid did really, really well on, on his next Gemara test. Well, believe it or not, just a, a few months ago, I was invited, and Bar Hashem, this little boy who at 12 years old in this story, who's now a, a father and, and with married children, he made a see him on shots. Unbelievable. This boy got so much into learning that Bar Hashem, he finished the entire uh, Shisha Sidra Mishnah, he finished the entire Gemara. And I think that that's the message that we have to do, that when we're davening, we shouldn't be talking to our neighbors, we shouldn't be run, run, running out of shul, we shouldn't be running to this and running to that, but rather show our kids how, how important davening is and show the other people in the shul how important davening is. And, in, and if we do that, then we're going to be able to reap the benefits and we'll see that our, our children will be davening and hopefully Hashem will answer our prayers and hopefully bring Melech HaMashiach. So if you want to enhance your kids' davening, start by enhancing your own. Correct, and, and you show the example. Right. Amazing. Uh, one of the reasons why this is good for all ages, this book, this Sefer, I should say, I apologize. Rabbi Joel Grossman, everybody, the book, the Sefer, is called Moritz Fila, Davening Shemona Esri with Meaning. Easiest way to obtain it is to go to Amazon.com, search Rabbi Joel Grossman, and chances are the very first thing that pops up is Moritz Fila, Davening Shemona Esri with Meaning. And we wish Rabbi Grossman the greatest of success with this brand new Sefer. After four years of work, it must be a uh, a sigh of relief as you sit here and talk about it. <laughs> it is. Thank you very much. A pleasure. And do you recommend that uh, when he comes up to the plate, Aaron Judge should say a prayer and he'll do even better than he does now or, or not necessarily? It definitely won't hurt. <laughs> <laughs> that we want to implement prayer into all walks of life. That's especially right. Especially when you're desperate for a home run. That's right. <laughs> Thank you, Rabbi Grossman. Thank you. Thank a, you very much. A real pleasure reuniting with you in this fashion. Thank you. Rabbi Joel Grossman, everybody, check out the book. You'll be glad you did. The Safer is entitled Moretz Fila. Search Rabbi Joel Grossman on Amazon, and you will find it. And again, we are highly recommending it. And you're listening to a Wednesday morning broadcast at JM in the AM. Shimut Filosi Ah, 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 
achar você Asino Oi, el de moci E al de
Jam in the AM, it's hour number two with Shalom Berenholtz and Schmatz Filosi, and you're listening to America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program, heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NahumSegal.com, on the NahumSegal Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. I'm 
JM in the AM. The Chuppah done by uh, Simcha Jacoby here on a, a Wednesday morning broadcast. Thanks for joining us, everybody. A big thank you to Rabbi Grossman uh, and continued success on the uh, release of his brand new Safer, a brand new book on Shimona Esrei. Um, Lior Hode's going to join us coming up, the legend himself, Yeshiva University basketball. He's being inducted into the Yeshiva University Athletic Hall of Fame tomorrow night. We get an opportunity to speak to him live in the studio here in Teaneck in just a few minutes, please, God. Uh, a reminder from our friends at shopeichlers.com. Many of you know that they are very into their sales, and they do an amazing job. I mean, they do an amazing job all the time, but when it's uh, sales season especially. And right now, our friends at the shopeichlers.com have their Titsis, Yamaka, Talis, and Gartel sale going on. You literally, in all four categories, can save 15% when you use promo code radio between now and Father's Day, between now and this coming Sunday. Very, very simple. Go to shopeichlers.com, all Titsis, all Yamakas, all Talisim, all Gartels, until na- from now until uh, until Father's Day, June the 18th, save 15%. All you got to do is use promo code radio so check it out go to shopeichlers.com again shopeichlers.com and uh, check out all the things they have on sale sale goes until sunday save 15 percent and enjoy make sure to use promo code radio when you do shopeichlers.com proud sponsor of ours here at the nahum siegel network more coming up you're listening to jm in the a.m
It's Avram Freed here on a, uh, what is today, Wednesday morning broadcast. 14th day of June, we say happy birthday to Mark Zamek, our very own Mark Zamek, host of the Arab Shabbos show and about 400 other functions that he has at this uh, amazing network for the last almost 40 years. Yeah, we're about to hit our 40th anniversary, folks, I know. You're expecting a big celebration. Don't worry, so am I. Um, Mark Zamek, happy birthday, 25th day in the month of uh, Sivan, the year 5783. It's a month of dads and grads. Father's Day is Sunday. Graduations seem to be every day and night during this month. <laughs> so, so make sure to, uh, make sure to, uh, hold the appropriate celebrations for dad and all the grads out there with our friends at A&H, Abels and Hyman. Delicious knockwurst and hot dogs and sausage to toss on the grill. That should be the centerpiece of uh, your big celebration uh, during this month of June, whether it is for the dads or the grads. A&H, take a 10% discount with promo code radio at kosherdogs.net. Try A&H today. You'll be glad you did. With us live in studio, the legend himself. We've had an opportunity over the years to speak with Lior Hode. Uh, during these broadcasts, I believe it's the first time, maybe I'm wrong, but I believe it's the first time that we have, not, have had an opportunity to speak with him face-to-face in this type of forum and enjoy reminiscing and speaking about what's happening these days. Lior Hode, the uh, Yeshiva University basketball legend, is among the six honorees, the six inductees tomorrow night at the Hall of Fame dinner for the Yeshiva University Athletics Department. We will, of course, recognize everybody in just a moment, but we'll focus on uh, our guests for a second here. It happens tomorrow night, June 15th, at Congregation Avas Torah in Englewood, New Jersey. And uh, for those of you who'd like to be there, it's an exciting night. I've been to these before. It's an exciting night. If you want to register, donate, support the cause, after this conversation, you might be more inclined to support the cause, frankly when you realize that this is a lot more than just sports and basketball. Uh, you can go to uh, yu.edu slash HOF for Hall of Fame 2023. That's yu.edu slash HOF 2023. Lior Hode, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nahum. Always a nice to see you. Same here. Uh, nice to have this encounter uh, face-to-face and speak about uh, something that both of us uh, love tremendously. I don't think I can match the amount of love you have for Yeshiva University Athletics, but but it's close. It's up there. You know, I'm, I'm proud to be I'm proud to be a fan, a supporter, and somebody who's always talking about how great uh, YU Sports is. And uh, tomorrow night is a very special night. Halls of Fame are pretty cool. It's nice to have your career recognized in any type of Hall of Fame, whether it be a local one or a uh, one specific for the Jewish community, or this one, Yeshiva University, which, of course, has been the centerpiece of your legendary career. What are your thoughts the day before the big induction? Well, I'm very humble. Uh, I reflect back. I look at uh, how we got here. Uh, I look to the fact that I'm going in with my brother, and my coach, so that makes it really special. And it's been a really long journey, not for this award, but just 
to look back and reflect that I actually graduated 35 years ago, and it seems like it was yesterday. And I still remember how I got there, and it's, I'm, I'm going to speak a lot about it tomorrow. So I'm looking forward to that. But again, with Coach and Coachette, my brother, and everybody else, that I'm pretty much know everybody that will be there tomorrow. So that's going to be very So 35-year class of 1990? 1989, 1988. 1988. Yeah. And that was the uh, – and you did play four seasons, right? I played four, four seasons, seasons yes. with the team. Yes. And when you, how did you discover Yeshiva University? Like, how did you even, where were you from, and how did you know that this place even existed? So it's kind of interesting because my parents moved to Atlanta, Georgia in 1980. From? From Holon, Israel. And they moved the whole family there, opened a restaurant. I wanted to become a chef because of that reason. They closed after nine months because they frankly did not know how to run a restaurant. <laughs> and That could be a problem. It could be a huge <laughs> problem, especially when you run out of money. And um, my brother and I love playing basketball, so they left, they went back, and they asked us if we want to go back with them, and we said, I don't think so, we kind of like it here, we play four hours of basketball a day, went to public school, and uh, we kind of grew on our own. There was a seven-year period where we did not see our parents, and not because they didn't want to, just because you know they, they didn't have the ability to help us. So other people took care of that, and because of that experience, I think we are who we are, both of us today. And uh, I reflect that because I look back and see what I accomplished today in my journey, and it's all going back to the roots of uh, of really working hard. And the way I got to YU is uh, an alumni saw me play at uh, the JCC in Atlanta, and he told his dad. His dad called uh, Coach Alpert. Coach Alpert calls me, and I explained to him that I just sent a letter of intent to play to uh, Emmanuel uh, Junior College Baptist School. And, Which uh, was where in Georgia? In, in North Georgia, next to the University of Athens, in next University of Georgia. And um, I said to him, you know, I said to him, "Have you heard of uh, YU?" I go, "Why who?" <laughs> I said, "Yeah, Yeshiva University, a four-year school. It's a beautiful school." I said, "Listen, coach, if somehow we can get, you know, the financial aid that I can go to YU, I'm all yours." And the rest is really history. I'm, that was the best move I ever made. So. And you're a New Yorker since then. Well, New York, New Jersey, meaning you're in this area since you started up at Washington Heights. Correct. In fact, Coach was the first person I met in New York area. So He, he was there up. to greet you. He p- picked me up, put me in the dorm, Rubin, and, uh, and, and it's just, it just been an unbelievable journey. One year difference between you and your brother? Yes. They used, they used to call us the Twin Towers. Right. Because, well yeah, deserved, because you looked yeah. at it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and he it, he goes along the following year, essentially, because that's what you did? Like, that was the... To yes, be, yes. To be together with you. Yeah, we very we were we're still very close. Right. And, and again, when you don't have money and you work hard all your life, and I'm saying working hard, restaurant, bus boys... Even during college, you're doing jobs? We worked before school, after school, we're on the lunch program, breakfast, you know, we're not, we're not eating kosher at the time, and uh, you have to survive, right? So the name of the game is survival. And uh, we, had, we had a rough life, but the way I look at it, it was a great life. I think every kid in America should work as a bus boy or a waiter or a dishwasher and go take the garbage at 11 o'clock at night in a rainy day just have to have that experience once, and you, you really go and force you to work really hard in school. Yeah, no question about that. Who's the better ball player, you or your brother? So everybody asks me that question. I always give him the credit. You know, when he played it, when we played at YU, we had we spoke to each other in Hebrew all the time, so that kind of gave us an advantage. Right. He's much stronger. He actually picked after college. And when he was in college, he didn't really take any shot from outside. Because he was a better ball player after college. Much better ball player after college. Much better. In, in fact, he still plays to this day. When did you plays. peak? 
I picked probably a few years after that also. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So there's plenty of room for development. Well, well, absolutely. That, why should that surprise me? I mean, NBA, NBA players are far better than they were in college usually. Absolutely. Well, depending on the case, but you know, because the competition is much more is much more difficult. What was the competition like in your day when you're playing four years at YU? We we're getting a sense today, those of us who are following it relatively closely, about how everyone's after YU and there's a big target on their back now because they've had recent success. What was the competition like then? So you have to understand the world change, right? The introduction of the internet, the instant, uh, the scouting. Uh, people know how to take care of the body much better. You look at LeBron James, right. who's been in the league for so many years. So technology helped quite a lot. And uh, what happened is uh, when we were there, you know, we came from public school. So we were in great shape. And we were competing against uh, people here that were not as good shape as we are. So... Um, that kind of gave us an advantage. We used to go back to Atlanta and play against Dominic Wilkins and most of the Georgia Tech guys. Really? Yeah. So, so. And you could keep up with them. We kept up with them because we used to run cross country. We used to be in shape. We're in a crazy shape. It's like it's like my son Jordan running up and down at six five. That's right. the difference. Right. Wow. Uh, and uh, and this. So when you see what the league or the conference looks like today you are seeing a completely different product. I'm, forget about the YU piece for a second. Just in general, Division three college basketball, Skyline Conference, is it much different than what you were experiencing back then? I, be I believe that we had a lot of talent back then, but because the people who do want to play competitive basketball um, spend the time and the money to get themselves better, and they know how to do it now. The tools are there, the, the, the videos are there, and and but I think there's less people playing ball than when we when I when I was playing ball. Right. Why? Because that was the only thing to do at the time. The pool is smaller. The pool was smaller, and well, now, now it's smaller. Now it's smaller, right. but it's the quality I think is right. better. The game changed, right? right? Everybody wants to shoot trees right now, etc. <laughs> right. But uh, there's no competition. You know, there's no internet uh, at the time. There's do no cell phone. Do you get frustrated when you see these guys hoisting up threes? Does that frustrate you or not? <laughs> but you know, I like to shoot three too because they, they added a three point shot my sophomore year in college. In college. College. Yeah, that was when the, the Maxton Athletic Center opened up. So, so yeah, so I I feel bad for all the great shooters before my time. Right. Guy like Ronnie Schwartz, who would have probably been ranked, right. get another extra 100 points. Just he was in that ball. era right before you. Yeah, he graduated in 86, so right. we kind of played together for two years. And then sometimes we see him. At, yes. at different events. Yeah. We saw him in York, Pennsylvania. Do you remember yes, that? Yes, that was surprising. He brought his son over. It was so amazing, and I was so happy to see him. And, and for me, you remember, he of course. he is one of two stars during Correct. during the era when I'm sitting in the stands as a student. You yes. know, that was very significant that yes. uh, that to see him still connected. Well, let's talk about that for a second. Connection, you know, is one of the, the themes. You might actually address this tomorrow night because you're obviously still connected with the university and still connected in such a big way to the community in so many different ways. Um, it, it seems to me today that even the athletes that may not be, you know, observant, ritually aware, etc., it seems to me today take very seriously their role as being a Jewish person in a public forum. Was it like that in your day? So so back in my, again, I came from public school. So to me, it's, you know, the, the old experience was surreal. It was different, you know, and, and thanks to Coach and Cochette, I have what I have today, which is the Jewish life that I have with my wife. Um, but I think it's very important when you play for Yeshiva University, okay, you really represent not just yourself, but the whole community, the Jewish people, not just the Jewish people, the Orthodox people, mm -hmm. okay? 
Like my son Tyler does it best, right? After each game, he cleans the floor, takes this stuff. Why? Because you have a keeper on your head. When you have a keeper on your head, the other players associate that with kindness. So you got to play the role. You got to make sure you're into it. And then after a while, is you know you, you get to enjoy it. The whole Shabbat experience today, it's it, it's so necessary with the age of cell phone. People wired, glued to their cell phone. You need that 25 hours of doing absolutely nothing and spending all the time with your family. I think that's the difference. Right. And therefore, today, a team like YU might be more inclined to Correct. gather together on Correct. a Shabbat because Correct. Th- th- that bonding process, Correct. they may have had in other types of activities back then, Correct. but today, it's the only way to do it today because you don't shut off from social media and Correct. technology. You're always distracted. You know, I when my kids asked me where should they go to college, right? And I told three boys all went to YU. I right. gave them two options. I said, we'll pay for Rutgers because it's local right. and we'll pay for YU. But I got to tell you this, what's going to happen? You're going to go to Rutgers. You're going to have the best four years of your life for many reasons, okay? Then you're going to go to YU. You're going to have the, the most difficult four years of your life, right? You're going to probably be on the, on the three programs, right. the Hebrew study, the English study, and the basketball, right? right? But guess what? And the 6 a.m. basketball. And the 6 a.m. basketball, that's right. right. And when you, but However, when you graduate from... Rutgers, you're going to have 100 people in your class that you don't even know, okay? So the Hebrew is not that. You go to YU, when you graduate, you're going to have friends for lifetime. And that's the networking is so important those days. And I was right. They're all doing pretty well right now. They're doing great. And uh, they did great on the court, and they're doing great yes. off the court. And, and I mean, you have, you have in your family role models that yes. are – uh, you know, really declaring to the world that, yeah, basketball is important, but menschlichkeit and Torah and davening and community-mindedness, etc., all those are even more important than ball. It's all my wife. I give my wife an appearance. She's my angel. Every morning I massage. She has wings in the back. I massage <laughs> it every morning. I hope she's listening right now. But she set the right path. She have her own uh, story on herself. But between the two of us, we think we got the right, uh, we're on the right path right now. And, and reflect that to our kids, to our community, and everything we believe in. Well, Lior Hode is here. Tomorrow night, he is among the inductees in the Yeshiva University Athletic Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame dinner is being presented by the uh, Yeshiva University Athletics Department. And here's the list of those who are going in to the Hall of Fame with you. Uh, you mentioned your brother Ayal. He played basketball from 85 to 89. Uh, he is going to be recognized. Stu Polliner, who is a uh, legend. I mean, when you go through the list of great basketball legends from YU, you, he's one of the names that always comes. I'm sure you heard his name from the moment you stepped on the court for the of first course. time. You know, you remind me of Polliner, you know, that type of thing. And he played back in the late 60s and early 70s. Rachel Mursky, Rachel Mursky, Rachel, sorry about that. Rachel Mursky is going to be um, inducted. She is uh, a both a softball player and a women's basketball team member and player from 2013 through 2016. Stephanie Greenberg, women's basketball and women's cross country. Talk about double program, huh? Uh, From 2011 through 2015. And uh, I saved him for last, of course. Uh, You referred to him as coach and his wife as coachette. Uh, We're referring to the legendary Johnny Halpert, who, of course, played his own brand of YU basketball in the mid-60s and then coached from 1972 until 2014. And it is wonderful to see that he is being inducted. Uh, It is wonderful for those of us who know the Hode 
Halpert connection. It's even it, it brings even more uh, joy to tomorrow night's ceremony. Honestly, I am honored that I'm going to be there as part of the program tomorrow night because this, to me, is one of the most significant um, events that Yeshiva University Athletics has had. And, I, and I've had the opportunity to preside over a lot of different ceremonies for them. But the fact that, that this group, that includes you, your brother, and Coach Halpert, are being inducted on the same night is pretty amazing. It's amazing. i got to tell you, the reason who I am today, the reason why my wife, my family, the way we interact as a family, we had a great role model. And I can remember a specific instance when I first went to his house in the 1984, my first Shabbat, okay? And I saw what's going on. I saw how everybody interacting on the table. I saw Aviva made the coleslaw salad and the, and the chicken. And, and their kids were kids the then, kids, right? The kids, all the young, you know, and, and, and I'm sitting on the table and I'm, I'm, I'm working my butt off my, my whole life. I'm like seven days a week, okay? And I see this family sitting there and, and coach cutting the challah and stuff. I'm saying, wait a minute, I want a piece of that. Why can't I have that? And because of that experience, it gave me something to shoot for. And that, when people say, but, tell me about Johnny Halpert. Basketball is great. I mean, look, look at his accomplishment, you know, been there for 42 years. But what he, the way he affects his students, the way he affects people, that's what I like about him. Okay? And I think that's what makes YU extremely different. You know, a guy like Ryan Terrell is doing extremely sure. well. Everybody's going to remember him. Everybody's going to remember what, what he did on the court and Elliot, et cetera. And, and this is a very important club, you know, I'm, and I'm so happy that I was part of that journey and, and kudos to the coach and coachette and the entire family. You know, um, Rafi, I'll call him Ralphie, his youngest, okay, was my ringman in my wedding. So we're still <laughs> very interactive. We still, Aviva works in my company, et cetera. I, I, you know, it's a match made in heaven. I'm so happy that, in, uh, that, that YU is honoring him, us, and to go into the same class with my brother and my coach, it's the best. Amazing. It's all happening tomorrow night. Those of you out there who would like to be at what's going to be a unique ceremony, to say the least, you could uh, visit the website yu.edu slash HOF for Hall of Fame, HOF 2023. Again, that's yu.edu slash HOF 2023. The event is happening at Congregation Avas Torah in Englewood here in Bergen County tomorrow night. Um, and everybody's invited for information and questions. You can contact everybody uh, through the website. Uh, we're celebrating the uh, induction ceremony that takes place tomorrow for the University Athletics Hall of Fame. Presenting sponsor, by the way, is LK. What do you know about them? Do they have a, uh, a good business reputation? It's a pretty good company. <laughs> it's a healthcare data plan. We built that company about uh, 20 years ago uh, with my business partner, Kamal. He's like my brother. And the company name after L for Lee or K for Kamal. And, and again, another example of two people getting together and doing the right thing on a handshake, really. And we help uh, was able to grow this company to about over 700 people worldwide. And uh, we have really good people working for us. And, many, and a lot of YU graduate also. So. Seriously? Yes. I, Akiva Piper is there. So. <laughs> Very cool. Yes. He'll be there tomorrow. There are also some legendary YUers from down in Atlanta, Georgia. Did you know any of them back yeah, then? Of course, of course. You knew the Paul, Merlis family? No, Paul. So Paul was my customer when I, I used to have a landscaping. In and Georgia? In Georgia. And he was one of the people that when I had to make a decision, if I'm, where, where am I going to go, ask, I also asked him about YU. And uh, yeah, and, and Mitch. I mean, I mean, we go way back. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. That's the other thing about YU is the alumni. Everybody's so connected. 
Okay, you get out yeah, of if you want to be, if you want to be connected, you, if you want to be connected, you can be part of that you family can forever. Be, especially when those days, it's all about the network. You, mm-hmm. know, you get out and you tell people, "I graduated from YU." It's it's tremendous, tremendous advantage. One other piece to this whole thing, I'm going to take advantage of the fact that you're here and visiting us live and in person. Uh, someone like yourself, successful business person, great family, obviously everything that you do for the athletics uh, up at YU. Uh, you could be, you could act like a regular balabas, so to speak, as we like to say, a balabayit. Uh, but you feel the need, at least this is the impression I'm under, you feel the need to be as involved, you and your wife and your kids, to be as involved as possible in the synagogue, to be as involved in po- as possible in so many different community organizations. I don't know if you can count anymore how many have honored you and your family or how many have recognized both not just financial, but the work that you've put in to so many different organizations. Why? What, what, what? One could take the easier route than making this very uh, time-consuming commitment, Lior. I, t- I tell you why. It's actually very simple. When you're left in this country for seven years without parents and strangers come and take care of you for all the time, out of the blue, you remember that experience. Okay, so somebody helped me and my wife. My wife has a very similar story also. So you look back at that experience and you want to do better. And that's, that's the path that uh, we decide to do. And, and I like to be hands-on. In fact, I like to bring the YU team to my house right. every year. And not just that. <laughs> you know, I don't cater the food. I make all the food myself. I sit there and I tell them. And I have a conversation with them. I make them a Moroccan fish and the soup and the filter fish and all that. Because I want them to see that sometimes in life you can't just buy everything with money. That personal touch. And I spend individual time with each one of them to talk about their goals, what they want to get out of it. This is what the YU connection bring to us. Because all, every one of those kids is going to pay it back to somebody else. And, and I'm the proof of that. So you're a coach in, in many ways. Off the record, yeah. I off mean, you, record, you never yeah. served officially as a coach, right? No. I like to work behind the scene. But I, you I are filmed coach, the games, right? as you know, for I don't know, 15 years. And I, I, I always told my, you know, when I, and Johnny was the one who told me about this. You know, I used to go my, when my kids first start playing. I used to scream in halftime. I used to scream and coach said, what are you doing? You're going to lose your voice before, you know, the kids can put the ball in the basket. I said, go get yourself a camera, okay, and just film and keep your mouth shut. So that's what I did. So I got used to watching a game and turning my hand. And, uh, and then I take the tape and I give it to my boys, okay, and I show them the moment. You know, every, every parent out there starts screaming at the kid, oh, you should have made left and right. I'm like, the kid's like, well, what just happened? What I do is after the game, initially, I say, guys, let's go over to play. And I put it in slow motion. Okay, you have the choice. You made the choice to go right instead of going to left. What do we learn from this? Then after a while, I taught them how to watch those videos. That's why it's fresh. We won the championship because we're always back. That's the third time you play against the team, you already know the plays. Hey. So I taught my kids how to prepare for basketball. And I use basketball as a way to prepare for life. The same thing. You don't go into a meeting without knowing who's going to be there and who's the player with the decision making, etc. Amazing. Basketball is all connected. When you were a kid, you played ball in Israel or not? We played ball in Israel. We were part of the Shomerats a year in Apol Cholon a little bit. And then my parents decided to move right. and, and all just basketball and work, basketball and work. And we were very good students, but right. with no family around, we had all the time to play basketball and work. So. Do you like visiting Israel now? So I like visiting Israel. I have um, my my father is there. Um, my father used to live with us for fifteen years. He's, he's in is in Israel now. Uh, my siblings are there, and 
but you have to remember, I'm moving 1980. That's 43 years it's ago. A long right? time. So when I go there, everything seems to be. When I was young, everything seems to be big. When right. I go to the dates, everything is so small. It's like what happened to all the streets and. So I try to go at least once a year to visit. It's pretty amazing, I'll tell you. Uh, Lior Hode is in the class of what are we in? 2023. He's in the class of 2023, being inducted tomorrow night at the Yeshiva University Athletics Yeshiva University Athletics Department. Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Mazal Tov to uh, Stephanie Greenberg, to uh, Coach Johnny Halpert, to Ayal Hode, uh, to Rachel Mursky, to Stu Polliner, and of course to our guest Lior Hode, who uh, dominated the 1980s up at Yeshiva University on the basketball court and in so many other areas of life, as you've been hearing this morning here at JM in the AM. To register for tomorrow night's event, which is in Englewood, New Jersey, it's yu.edu slash HOF2023. Again, yu.edu slash HOF2023. Lior, I say mazal tov to you. Anything else you'd like to add? Any other? Can any I come other? back again? Oh, I'm being funny. This you, is awesome. You can come back because there's some topics we never even got to this I morning. Know, I know. Do, are, you still, uh, are you still playing the role of beekeeper? Or that's in the past. So I still got bees on my roof. You still have bees still on your roof. I still got bees. Thank you to Dandy Center. I have a lot of stuff to talk about, about kids, about motivation. Yeah, but let's go back to the bees for a second. Okay. <laughs> one, one can safely, in an urban environment like we're in now, uh, one can safely care for a, what do we call them, a pack of bees, a collection of bees? What are they called? Yeah, they're the colony, but <laughs> the, colony the hive. The hive. So what's happening is that they actually changed the rule now. Now they put some restriction in New Jersey, depending on the square foot uh, of uh, your property. But Danny Center, the one that got me into this, you know, is, 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 sure. is the man of all trade. And uh, I think seven years ago, um, I read an article that the bees population is dying. And of right. course, bees are yellow. So yellow is my favorite right. color. I have the two yellow hammer. And, uh, <laughs> and suit. And suit. I think the young Israel dinner, you had a yellow yes. suit on. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So, uh, so, I, you know, so I was driving with my marketing team on my yellow hammer. And I said, and a topic came up. And I said, wait, you know, one of the guys said, well, why don't we have bees on our roof? We have a flat building in Teaneck. I'm like, wait a minute, that's a great idea. Pick up the phone, call Danny. Danny said, you have the best location in Teaneck. Said, Danny, here's my credit card, get me going. We start with four hives, went to, to, to eight, and then moved to the new building. Now we have 24 hives, and here's the best part. Help us so much in business, because when you have a boot, okay, and you have a technology company, people come in, they see technology and all that, and then they see those small honey jars, and they go, wait a minute, what's the honey for? Oh, let me tell you a story. Once I tell them the story, they remember me, right? And then it's the best part, okay? We have the CEOs of all those famous companies, Cerner, all the hospitals, they come on the roof, okay? And I asked him, what do you use for security, for data breaches? He goes, oh, we use X, Y, and Z. I said, uh-uh, we use bees. Our bees protect your data from data breaches from the roof. And they start laughing. They remember me. Amazing. And again, the bees, what's, what, what the bees are good for? They all work like a team. Nobody can do the work themselves. It's teamwork. That's they what LK is all they about. They also have a leader, though. They have one queen, right. right? But they all work. Everybody has a job. And together, they make this beautiful product called honey. Amazing. I love it. And by the way, whenever we see a yellow Hummer, my son says to me, it's one of two possibilities. It's Lior or it's somebody else. <laughs> right. Those are the only two possibilities in terms That's of who's right. driving. Well, Mazal Tov. Yep. And uh, looking forward to seeing you tomorrow yeah. night and participating. And uh, what can I say? There's only one way to wrap up this conversation. As you know... The entire world has gone uh, Yeshiva University basketball crazy yes. over the last few years. You know yes. this. You know this firsthand. Yes. 
Uh, and I'm sure when you speak to anybody and mention YU basketball, they are very focused on this era as opposed to you know our era of years ago. Like yes. everybody wants to talk about what's yes. happening now. Even even without Ryan Terrell, who's moved on, still the team is very close to the top and really competitive, et cetera, et cetera. So how do you know when a team becomes successful? Like the like the eighty five Bears. There's a song that someone created <laughs> to commemorate the team. In this case, it's Lenny's roll oh. rollbacks roll. So I figured that's the way to wrap up this conversation. <laughs> I want to thank you again for for bringing me on the show. I want to thank my wife, my soulmate, and my family. And this is really awesome. Looking forward for tomorrow night. And uh, you know, I have guests coming. I have Ryan. His whole family is coming. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Who's coming? Ryan is coming. His his parents the are coming. Terrell the entire family. Terrell family That's is staying amazing. by staying by our house. And I'm gonna be there when you get selected to the Hall of Fame, right? So so it's payback. And, and that uh, and that'll be sooner rather yeah. than later, right? The people like Ryan in, in Yiddishkeit, what's gonna help us recruit more new players. The players that we normally don't get from the traditional Yeshiva League. There's plenty of people like Leo and Al out there, and we just have to find them. Right. Well, just one word on Ryan. I mean, we, we speak about representing the Jewish people, as you described earlier. You know, you're, you're doing a lot more than just representing YU basketball. I don't know who trained this kid, but my gosh, every time he opens his mouth, you never have to worry Correct. about how he's representing the Jewish You know what that is? For someone his age to be able to say that, yeah. that you know you're confident that he's yeah. going to say the proper thing and, and be and be viewed in a positive light when he speaks, it's it's amazing. So the best quality, people say, oh, wow, Ryan is the best YU player that ever exists. I said, yes, but that's not his best quality. His basketball IQ and his mental, he's the, when you talk to him, he's sincere. He actually believes in what he does. He's a great, I believe he's a great role model. And um, I'm, I'm extremely happy to be associated with him, with his brand. I think every kid needs to have their own brand. He has the Ryan Terrell brand. And uh, that's not the end of him. He's going to go very far in life. So. I mean, how many people have asked you if he's actually going to end up in the NBA? Probably. I, I think I think he should, you know, for the right you, combination. You think I good? think he, for the right, for, there has to be a combination of marketing, et cetera, for that reason. You know, for the right team, for the right situation, I can see him doing that but obviously he can always play in Europe in Israel right. but he's very unique Ryan is a very unique specimen he's, he's, he's a great guy again the, um, basketball is great right but is the is, is basketball IQ is the way he's interact I think he'll do great in business so if whoever's out there looking for a great spokesperson for a guy that can really make a difference that's your guy 100% Lior Mazaltov and thank you. Thank you very much. We'll wrap up with the song that was uh, created to commemorate Yeshiva University basketball. It's a Wednesday morning broadcast at JM in the AM.
When my head is feeling heavy and my steps are out of sync, when my feet can't find their rhythm and I don't know what to think, simple words have lost their meaning and my broken heart can't be. It's in these silent moments I feel you next to me saying Face the challenge, stare it down Take the plunge, feet off the ground Breathing deep till again your head's above water No anchor can hold you down Say it with me now again Live your one life, mit Dabren And when your silent faith begins to fade Live a little loud Little louder, a little louder, live a little 
washing of the ocean, the falling of the rain, laughter traveling in the breeze from children as they play, the harmonies that fall between the notes we cannot hear, the sound of life surrounding you, a sighs that hears me. Goodness, goodwill, God heals. Every type of suffering, that's how I fell in love with him. Seen a lot of pain in life, I am still recovering. I'm giving all I have to give. I finish when there's nothing left. I live life with the fire burning in my chest. I'm drawing down the light a little, make it louder, we progress. True joy is revealed or concealed in the actions you're making. You should learn patience. Live life every day with a smile and good energy. Because it's the way to victory. Face the challenge, stare it down. Take the plunge, feet off the ground. Breathing deep till again your head's above water. No, no anchor can hold you down. down. Stay with me now again. Live your one life, mid-dobrin. When your silent fate begins to fade. Face the challenge, stare it down. Take the plunge, feet off the ground. Breathing deep till again your head's above water. Jam in the AM, a little louder, done by Eighth Day and Nissan Black together. A recent combo. Uh, before that, you heard Lenny Solomon roll Max Roll for the University of Maccabees and in honor of the uh, big induction ceremony tomorrow night. My thanks to Lior Hode for visiting us this morning. Great conversation with a lot of lessons, I must say. Uh, more coming up. It's JM in the AM with Jonathan Schoenfeld.
Yonatan Sheinfeld here at JM in the AM, wrapping things up on a Wednesday. Yossi's Wag, a Wednesday Z-Report live lunch, happens at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Make sure to be tuned in for that here at um, here at the uh, Nahum Siegel Network. Um, tonight, Tani with uh, Tani Gutterman with his uh, latest podcast, plus, of course, at 7 o'clock, the... Um, Hour of Jewish Soul, great cantorial music, or I should say cantorial selections. It's all happening tonight here on NSN. Um, what else do I want to mention to everybody? Oh, yeah, tomorrow, <laughs> I'm sure there are many, many, many people in this audience who've been listening over the years and are expecting or by fast to join us tomorrow morning. Now, it's Erev Shabbos Parsha Shlach in, uh, in the diaspora. Right, they read Shlach last week in Israel. So we are expecting Roy Fast tomorrow. The problem is because of a scheduling conflict, Roy Fast can only join us very, very early in the show. He'll be with us in hour number one tomorrow morning on Parsha Shlach. So he'll be with us, but a bit of a change schedule-wise. Achenu Israel and Achim our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at AchimSegal.com and the AchimSegal Network, and of course, any beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing Wednesday here at JMA. My thanks to everybody Grossman. My thanks to Lior Hode. My thanks to all of you for tuning in. Uh, yes, he's why Wednesday live lunch starts at 11 a.m. Eastern time. Make sure to be tuned in for that tomorrow morning or by fast in hour number one. I'm sure other excitement as well on a Thursday morning broadcast. Make sure to join us. Happy birthday, Mark Zamek. Call Mark and wish him the very best and have a fabulous Wednesday. Till tomorrow, not Sachem Segal reminding you, remember to past, live the present and trust the future.